So my question to you, Jason, is what fuel source does T-Bob use? Is it a battery? Is it a fuel? Is it a combination? What do you think? Oh, interesting question. Then we see Scott calling for help, and he gets a little help from the sky here. Right, we see Rhino being parachuted out of the transport plane. Love it. Yeah, exactly. Love that it. was an awesome scene right there. Overall, just a great episode. I'd almost put it equally with the Rotex. Select the mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason G, DJ, movie writer, 80s guru, vehicle code name, Frontier. Wyatt B, sound engineer, movie writer, airman, vehicle code name, Dakota. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, Mask Agents, to MaskCast number 21, where we will be talking about episode number 16, The Golden Goddess. And in this episode, Venom steals golden relics from ancient temples in Singapore, liquefying the gold and smuggling it by pumping it secretly through a pipeline. My name is Jason, and as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime in MassCast. That would be the scratch and sniff stickers to my Trapper Keeper. Wyatt, how are you? Well, I know I'm foul, but I didn't know I was that foul. Come on. <laughs> well, not all scratch and sniff stickers were foul. That is true. Some good smelling ones. You like the watermelon, if I remember right. Yeah. <laughs> I posted up my, uh, my sticker book on the rediscover the 80s site i guess it was about a month ago did you see any of that i i saw a few of them i didn't see it all of there's it. about a there's about 16 pages worth there and there were some scratch and sniff ones in there and it was just the mecca of 80s awesomeness that was in that in that sticker book yeah i saw a few of my, my favorite stickers you know of course related to dukes or knight rider or airwolf or something right yeah no there's some knight rider ones in there but uh, yeah, I I just recently posted up a, a game for iPad. You'll have to check it out. It's called uh, Saturday Morning RPG, and they have like hundreds and hundreds of references to like '80s cartoons and pop culture and stuff. And the character he ha- keeps a trapper keeper, and that's how you get in and keep track of all your weapons and stuff. It's pretty fun. That's funny. So uh, everybody can check that out. They can go over to Rediscover the 80s or uh, just go into iTunes and search Saturday Morning RPG and uh, have some 80s fun this week. That was but, like uh, an interesting venture for or hobby for this weekend. Yes. And, uh, uh, and also another shameless plug for my uh, 80s website. Just a couple days ago, I posted a story about Mask. And that was uh, related to the League of Extraordinary Bloggers, which I've been a part of over on coolandcollected.com. And basically, this week's assignment was to blog about what you would like to see remade from the 80s or what what your favorite movie was to to get updated. And, of course, that was an easy one for me. Yeah, really? uh, (laughs) Since we've been going down this journey, 
And uh, I pretty much had my cast, you know, already laid out for me from all the uh, monthly polls we did last year. Right. So, and that was great promotion all the way around. We're just promoting. You were promoting us, you know, vigorously on that little blog there. Yeah, it was it was a fun little post just to get the word out in the other little venture that I have, and uh, you know, to see Aaron Eckhart as Matt Tracker and and the way we kind of lined out all the the winners of all those polls and lined them side by side with the mask characters and uh, had a few comments that, you know, we kind of nailed it. And I was like, well, it wasn't just us. It, it was uh, us kind of choosing the nominees and then everybody else voting. Right. Uh, I think we had quite a hard part just coming up with the nominees. <laughs> <laughs> we did at times. And I had a few that kind of just popped in my head and was like, yeah, Michael Chiklis and Cliff Dagger, that, that would be a good, uh, good choice and of course that one actually went through so uh, right it was it was really fun i mean i i can remember when we had close to 100 votes uh throughout the month you know people voting on it so that was really fun last year and i'm glad i got to kind of show that off to uh to everybody again this week so go check that out if you get a chance over on rediscover the 80s.com but for now, we're going to go back into the mask episodes and we're going to talk about the golden goddess Right, so it's time to start the mass cast. We find ourselves inside a temple city within Singapore and a high priest pleading with their god to bring rain for their crops. Bring on the rains in the right season. May our crops be plentiful. May all things grow. We offer our humble prayers. After they bow their heads, a small ruckus from a monkey in the windows reveals that while they were praying, their statue vanished. First guard wants to get to the door, while the other argues the point that they are already sealed in the room. And then the high priest is concerned that hardship and destruction will plague their land. And then next we see Scott and T-Bob tooling around the city with Scott wanting to go faster uh, he asks T-Bob why won't he get out of second gear. And, of course, T-Bob is somehow already too poop to go f- any faster. So my question to you, Jason, is this makes me wonder what fuel source does T-Bob use? Is it a battery? Is it a fuel? Is it combination? What do you think? Oh, interesting question. I like it. Um, you know, I would just assume that it was a battery that he was running on. I think we've said before that when something happened, I, I might have been just the last episode there where he was glowing from that, uh, what do we call it, Regime Borealis. Um, and Scott said his power was drained. So I would made the assumption that you know he would be uh, running on some big battery. Right, but whenever he's uh, scooting along in, in his unicycle mode, you do hear a motor... Right. Running, so that's why I was kind of uh, again. This is a cartoon, so they're not putting that much thought into it. But if he's too pooped to get out of second gear, then what's causing him to be pooped? <laughs> so well, maybe he was the first hybrid vehicle, and he's like part gas, and when he's the scooter, and then he's the battery when he's the robot. You revealed everything that the <laughs> that the Chrysler and GM and Toyota have all come up to get. You know now. <laughs> They use they use T Bob's yeah. blueprints. <laughs> we found the secret. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, uh, 
so we get through the city. T Bob complaining he's I guess picked up too many souvenirs. I, I think that's why he's tired. Right. And uh, Scott jokes about trading T Bob in for an elephant ride. Elephant rides. Hmm. Wonder if I can trade you in for an elephant ride. <laughs> and then we uh, we cut to Matt and Bruce. They're in a rickshaw. They're going through the streets. They're headed to uh, the this government building to meet with some of the government officials there. And they make mention of a note from the PNA about Venom being in the area. And it seems like Matt is not on vacation, which it seems like a lot of these... We end up, the first thing was happening is Matt's on this luxury vacation, which he's allowed to have, of course, when he's filthy rich. Yeah, really. But uh, it's nice to see him kind of on official business, at least, instead of being there just for the fun of it. Right, and it seems to be like lately that his official business is really just to try to find Venom and to, to try to defeat them, right. whatever, however he can. But... Um, in any event, you know, it's it's funny. He's handed a note saying the PNA suggests that Venom operatives are there. So Matt wonders, you know, what they are up to. And Bruce quickly replies that if Miles Mayhem is behind it, then they're up to no good. And right away, I came up with your Garfield poster you had when you were a kid. Well, duh. He's up to <laughs> no good. So, <laughs> Well, duh. I remember that poster. Wow. I hadn't thought about that in years. That was my favorite poster, I think. So I, aside from my oh, Dukes of Hazard poster I had. So, uh, <laughs> You're coming up with all kinds of good nuggets tonight. I like it. It's a lot of coffee, and I actually got a couple more hours of sleep thanks to little mini Scott sleeping in. But uh, <laughs> That's good. In any event, at the meeting, the government rep shows his appreciation, then hands a courier note from the PNA to Matt stating about mayhem being in Singapore. This uh, this representative quickly asks, "Ma'am, uh, yes, my uncle, Uncle Mayhem, he's a real character. Well, we'll be getting back to our sightseeing." Then, as <laughs> Matt and Bruce are exiting, one of one of these guards bursts in and tells the government rep that the golden altar of Sabar has disappeared. Right. It was interesting that he did that whole you know Uncle Mayhem thing. Um, it's, you know, just kind of another way that they're covering their identity as mask, I guess. You would think that if the PNA is involved, and the PNA probably knows that Matt is with mask, but I, that's how I took it, that he was just trying to not to blow his cover as his alter mask ego. Right. Well, later in the episode, we see that he do- still doesn't blow that cover, but we'll get to that right. in a moment. Well. Another question I had here was the government official there that he's meeting with mentions about um, Matt's interest, and he well, he thanks him for Matt's interest in preserving historical treasures. But yet these men barge in about the statue being stolen, and Matt wonders like what's going on. Where you know there's been other statues that have been stolen in the last couple weeks, so. It seemed to me that they should have said that Matt's business there should have been trying to recover these other statues that had already been stalling, and this new one coming in would have kind of heightened the awareness or whatever. Right. It didn't really kind of come off that way to me. But anyway, uh, the government official then, he 
tells Matt, What really worries me is tomorrow morning, the shrine of the golden goddess of Sarawak will be unsealed for its annual worship ceremony. The golden goddess of Sarawak? Isn't that your country's symbol of peace and harmony? Yes, it is most valuable. And it is made of 2,000 pounds of solid gold. If anything should happen to it, there could be a civil war. Right after that little uh, interaction, we cut to a woman walking down the hallway. You can kind of see her from the back. And she kind of turns just a little bit, and we see it's Vanessa. And she's wearing glasses, and she's got a different... It's like a business suit, really, on. Right. Bruce noticed. He he points her out pretty much right away. And he starts to follow her down the hallway, kind of from a distance. Right, and I like his and, little interaction. He goes, what a surprise, Aunt Vanessa. Right, right. <laughs> well, like he was... That was kind of weird. He was almost like expected to see her there. Right. But Vanessa, she gets to this... Uh, locked door and she takes her earring off and she opens it up and it's got this little hidden gadget inside she shoves it in the door lock and it kind of melts the mechanism inside so she can get inside i thought that was really cool yeah that's a genius there that was kind of some james bond high-end technology of the time but uh she goes down she pulls out some documents lays them on the table and starts taking pictures of them and Bruce is, he has followed her in the room. He uh, turns the corner, sees her taking the pictures, and he knocks over a book by accident and makes a little noise. And uh, we see Vanessa finishing up, and she starts to walk down the hallway there between these bookshelves to leave. She knows by now that Bruce is there, and she shoves this big bookshelf full of books right onto Bruce. <laughs> And Vanessa still packs a wallet. Yeah, that was a good interaction there of uh, trying to delay him uh, so she could get away. And then we see her running down the hallway, up a set of stairs, and then to the awaiting switchblade where she grabs hold of a like a grappling... I don't know what they call these. I should, I'm a helicopter fan. I should know this. But uh, <laughs> basically a sling with a little foothold, whatever, and she grabs off... It's almost like a trapeze... Uh... Uh, foothold yeah exactly and uh, but we're back at the inside of the library there and the government rep wonders why someone wants to take pictures of this map and then we see matt stating that it looks like water and sewer lines and you know the rep confirms it but he says it's actually the old map or old system and points out a section of the map that had been abandoned for 10 years at least then a woman walks up telling the government rep that the prime minister is calling about the recent theft then bruce quickly leafs through these pages and finds that that water and sewage system goes right under the golden goddess's temple that's it venom must be using the storm drain system time to pull in the team and uh, here's where i really loved the command here interface with boulder hill headquarters yes and uh and I also like that he actually specifically made a request. It's usually there's no request. You know, it's like the computer has always been monitoring, so the computer always knows that this particular mission, it needs to come up with something. But he actually makes a special request saying, you know, I need an agent that has knowledge of special metals. Right. That was a good addition, really. This is the first time that he's asked specifically for a, an agent with a certain capability. So that was new. He he also used the uh, 
was it priority one emergency or something? He didn't use the. I think last episode it was like code red or something. Anyway, right. he went back to like the old code talk. I guess right. you would say uh, instead of this uh, what we talked about last week. But uh, we only get Alex this time. Alex is the only agent that's uh, chosen. And then Matt instructs the computer... Transmit the mask signal code. Instruct Alex Sector to take the transport jet, along with Rhino, direct to Singapore. So we don't get any interaction, really, with Boulder Hill, or the mask room, or even any real transport jet scenes, but... When you're specific, you know, what do you expect, I guess? Right, he just right, quickly right. Gra- he probably just quickly grabbed his helmet, and jumped in Rhino, and, you know... Mm-hmm. Trucked to wherever the the transport plane sits, and yeah, but I didn't really miss it in this episode. Where other episodes, I've been like, oh, they just you know they cut it too short, or it is one of those scenes that really ties each episode together. But um, I didn't miss it because Matt really laid out all the instructions ahead of time, right? And I really appreciated how specific you know from the call up to being specific, even to to tell. Alex, what needs to happen? You know, grab the transport plane, grab Rhino, get here to, to to Singapore. He was really direct, and I don't I don't know what it is. And later I made comments about Doug Stone really gets emotional, and I don't know if this is written in the script, but he really gets like this is his baby uh, episode. Yeah. He really gets emotional. But uh, anyway, we're at the temple. We see the local monks stating that it is time to awaken the goddess from its year of rest, and they begin asking for peace. We see Matt, Bruce, and Thunderhawk around the corner, finishing up a call with Alex, and Matt then says that it's up to Bruce and him to handle handle the situation for now. Yeah, because on the phone, he's like, uh, well, just get here when you can, when he's talking to Alex. So he doesn't really give a reason why he's delayed, or if he's just kind of checking in on you know what time that Alex will arrive or anything, but that's why he and Bruce really have to work alone on this one. Right. And then we see Scott and T-Bob, you know, just happen to overhear the conversation, and then Scott is, don't forget about us, whoa, clobber venom. Clobber venom? Have you flipped your floppy disk? No, Scott. I don't want you getting mixed up in this. It could be dangerous. Dangerous? Yeah! That's what I'm looking for. Excitement. Then find it back at the hotel. But... You heard me. I don't have time to argue. All right. I really like T-Bob's little reply here. You know, when he's eager to help, you know, T-Bob's reply is, have you flicked your floppy disk? <laughs> I yeah. love that. T-Bob's always the one that... He's the kind of Scooby-Doo of the show. He doesn't want to get involved. Where... Scott, in some episodes like this one, he's eager to, he really wants to help. And I like that about this episode. I didn't mind their interaction so much as he really insisted right. to uh, to help. But he he takes Matt's word and he they drive off. And Matt tells Bruce they need to guard the storm drains um, in the temple courtyard. And just about that time, then they cut over to Mayhem and he's using a walkie to check in with Dagger and Vanessa. And then he checks in with Rax, and he's having problems. It doesn't really show where he's at, but he's at obviously some kind of machine. And May- Mayhem calls Rax an idiot, and this elderly lady that's passing by 
hears his comment, thinks he's calling her an idiot, and she pulls the old purse out and gives him a Barry Bonds home run swing <laughs> upside the head. Hey, you still there? Yes. Hurry up and fix whatever's wrong. Uh, it was kind of hokey. I mean, it was it was funny to see it in the episode, but at the same time, it was one of those kind of roll your eyes kind of moments. Right. But Mayhem kind of comes to his wits after being clobbered and tells Rax to fix the problem, or he'll in the meantime he'll create a diversion at the entrance. Right. So then that's when we get this uh, crazy stampede with these two elephants. Right, and here we see Vanessa, you know, using her whip mask to really get them stirred up. And uh, here we don't see any commands once again. I guess Venom really doesn't use commands anymore or something. Uh, Nonetheless, we see Matt keeping watch when Bruce races up and says, Venom! And Matt sounds really pissed and, like, with a very angrily tone. He's like, to Thunderhawk, let's get our masks. He says T-Hawk here. He doesn't say Thunderhawk. Did you catch that? Yeah, he actually says T-Hawk. I, in my notes. So he's got a nickname now for it. I yeah, like it. So, yeah, it was actually nice to see it. And uh, we see Scott and T-Bob tooling down a uh, back street. Hey, that's the dagger. Come on, after him. Forget it. I'm not following that guy. Okay. See you later. Come on, baby. You can. Come back. Oh, heck. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't let out the dam this time. No. Just the, oh, heck. But yeah, again, I like it. I like that uh, Scott's so eager to go. He just kind of says, screw you, T-Bob. I'm out of here. And he uh, runs after uh, Dagger. Uh, we cut back to Matt, who's uh, trying to occupy this elephant that's on this you know, stampede run. He pulls Thunderhawk into the path and skids to a stop right in front of it. The elephant, he puts his foot right on the, like, the hood of Thunderhawk. And he's got, like, so much pressure on it that Matt guns it in reverse, and it's spinning out, and he finally gets from out of this uh, elephant's uh, foot. Then as as Matt is uh, pulling away from the elephant, Mayhem comes into view, and he's like, oh, Mask is here. So uh, he sees Thunderhawk. He radios to Vanessa. We don't hear any instructions, but uh, we see Vanessa shooting again these like laser beams out of her whip mask at the elephants towards this bus. So the elephants, he's running towards the bus. Bruce, he runs in, he saves the day with lifter and he lifts this bus up in the air. So the elephant doesn't collide with it. And then we cut right back to Scott and T Bob. Scott sees dagger entering this manhole in the ground and Scott wants to follow. Um, then all of a sudden this elephant appears in this alleyway where they are kind of trapping him and uh, T-Bob in there, and then we get our dramatic commercial break. That's right. (laughs) Oh, no! We're trapped! Help! So, after the commercial break, T-Bob, he shows a little bravery here. He says, I'll, you know, I'll protect you. And uh, he gets in front of Scott, and the elephant pulls his uh, trunk around him, picks him up and throws him, and he lands in this trash can like R2-D2 being shot out of that 
that murky lake, you know. Yeah. He ends up in the trash can. And uh, then we see Scott calling for help, and he gets a little help from the sky here. Right. We see Rhino being parachuted out of the transport plane. Love it. Yeah, exactly. That was an awesome scene right there. We see, you know, Alex spotting Scott. Here we are! Help! Looks like my timing's perfect. I'll save you that if I can keep this blasted truck steady enough. Shoots a few holes into the cement, which just happened to be conveniently the right size. And you know, as <laughs> right. the elephant is stampeding around, you know, he gets his feet stuck. Kind of like uh, uh, you and I's favorite, one of our favorite shows, The Stooges, where the horses get stuck in the water buckets. You know, now they're useless. They can't do anything. So anyway, the elephant, you know, is stuck in place. So now Scott and T-Bob can escape. Rax is finally ready and Miles now cues Dagger, and that was like a brief scene. We don't see much, just a little quick little clip, and then we're back inside the uh, temple with Matt now in civvies. Yeah, I noticed that as well. He made a quick change after uh, he's in the flight suit, and they go, they didn't have their masks with them when they noticed uh, those uh, elephants were charging, and they had to run back and get their masks, and then now... Matt's back in his suit at the uh, the temple entrance after we hear Miles say, Now, Mask, get ready for the surprise of your life. Anyway, they open the doors with Matt and the the, gov- the same government uh, official and the, uh, the monks and the priest there. We open up the doors and the golden goddess is gone. And we fade right back like at a later time at the temple where we have Alex and Bruce and Matt investigating and trying to figure out what in the world happened to this statue after it was a sealed room, supposedly. The ventilation, there's too small, and the drains are obviously too small to fit this huge statue in. And then Alex happens to notice some gold residue around the uh, drain. Hello, what's this? Traces of gold. Gold? Yes, and there's more coating the inside of the drain. Somehow Venom must have found a way to change gold into liquid without heat. But how? Right, and this is where we see Scott and Bruce coming in with a holding a gas cylinder. Mm-hmm. And Bruce then explained that it was connected to a small drain pipe. Now Matt deduces that Venom is using the old water system to capture all of this gold. Then we flip right back to seeing Thunderhawk and Rhino traveling with uh, Matt attempting to put Thunderhawk into jet mode. And this is the first time we actually, short of being blasted like we saw a few episodes ago, he's actually crippled by this big stomp from the elephant. But you see the wings trying to engage and finally they finally transform and he takes off. I don't think he mentions here that it was the elephant. It's not until later, so right, it's like, right. he what's wrong it. with his right? What's wrong with his? Uh, what's wrong with Thunderhawk that he's not? Uh, it's not engaging, you know. Right. And uh, so I, I didn't make that connection until later in the episode when he finally mentions, "Well, it was the it was from the elephant that crushed this thing," which I thought was a good good way to explain, you know, <laughs> what's going on, and it shows a little uh, realism with uh, with the vehicle. Right, and then Bruce, yeah, as they're traveling, 
asks if there's enough gold in the water pipes to track the gold. So Matt, of course, uses Spectrum to zero in. Eureka! I'm logging in on traces of the gold. Follow me. Okay. In the back computer room of Rhino, we we find Alex using the computer to analyze this gas. And it says that it is capable of turning gold into a hydrophonic state. So this is the first time we finally see Bruce, the proverbial wizard, being stumped. Aha, that explains it. It may be aha to you, but it's ha what to me. What's hydrophonic? Yeah, it wasn't really that Alex came up with a you know proverb or anything that Bruce normally does, but he throws out some term that Bruce is like, huh, can you explain that a little better for me? (laughs) So Alex explains that Venom basically was able to use the pipes to carry the gold where they wanted it to. So Mask comes upon a warehouse complex. Then they come up to a building, and as Matt explains where he's traced it to, they hear a muffled man yelling. And they... They all race up and find three people gagged and tied up between two warehouse buildings. Untie them. Alex and I will check around. Then inside a building, we find Alex is impressed at how they liquefied the gold and were able to store it in this building. Yeah, he's kind of taken back at the almost the magnificence of this machine. And he also notices that they had some casting equipment there, which is not... Not really shown, I don't believe, no. but Matt, he puts two and two together and figures out that these uh, rickshaw or pedicab drivers that they noticed when they arrived were really kind of straining to pedal these things when they didn't have any passengers in there. And he figures, well, those uh, pedicabs are made out of gold. And so they run back to the vehicles and roll out. Matt uses Spectrum again. Spectrum on. Venom outdid themselves this time. Those pedicabs are solid gold. Stay a safe distance behind. I want them to lead us to mayhem. And I'm glad that we got to use Spectrum. This is the first time in a few episodes that we've had Spectrum being used. Right, and I wonder if that uh, was something... You know, the writer said, "You know, we're we're really overkilling Spectrum here early on. Let's let's uh, give them a break, <laughs> back off a little bit." Yeah, uh-huh. but uh, they follow these uh, pedicabs to this docked ship, and we see Switchblade kind of hovering overhead. Well, Matt says, "This is enough of this," and Thunderhawk and Rhino storm onto the scene. Uh, Thunderhawk is still struggling with the wings. He tries to open them. And then they, the doors close back up again. And this is where he mentions that he thinks it's damaged from the elephant in the earlier scene. Right. And we see, you know, Switchblade transform and launch a missile at Thunderhawk, missing him, but it takes out uh, a portion of the dock where he had just passed by. Dagger now gets involved and gets into the turret guns of uh, Jackhammer and blasts the deck while Miles is shooting in front of Thunderhawk. They're really... One that really yeah. just bombard poor Thunderhawk and the crippled Thunderhawk at that. Yes, they're letting that dock have it. I mean, it was surprised that it still stood up after they just pretty much destroyed like three quarters of it. Right. So then Rhino finally gets involved and shoots us. This was a clever little smokescreen 
but he shoots a smoke screen bomb, I guess, out of the uh, truck stacks, and it covers over Switchblade, and it's a thick enough that it actually gets into the cockpit of Switchblade, makes Miles cough. Yeah, I didn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was kind of. I can I, I can appreciate a good smoke screen, but uh, the way it was just kind of concentrated and they didn't show any smoke inside the cockpit, and that's what kind of bothered me. And of course, Miles is wearing his mask, so how is he coughing? You know, I don't know. It just I can I can understand what they were trying to do there, but when I'm watching it and I don't see any smoke inside the cockpit, I'm like, why is he coughing? Come on. Right. So, anyway, they cut to Piranha. Hang on, Mayhem. I'll handle it. And she uh, closes up the windshield and ejects from the from Piranha in the sub. And she's down in the water. And she comes up on this dock that's somehow still standing and starts shooting at the underside of the dock, destroying more of it. Matt, he's still struggling to get the the uh, doors open on Thunderhawk and just at the last second the wings stay up and he's able to kick in the jet engines and and get up out of that situation right and this is actually a little impressive little clip here because you see the water spewing out you know and you think that Matt has been engulfed and then all of a sudden just that last minute you see it like emerge out of that that whole chaotic uh, water spew and the, the the Dock damage. It's really actually a cool little clip right there. Yeah, it was pre- it was pretty dramatic. Uh, I was impressed with the with how they handled it there. It was right to the end of the dock, and in the in Thunderhawk kind of emerges from this splash of water there from their destruction from the the dock. Right. But uh, so after Matt finally gets up in the air, he turns Thunderhawk around and he starts shooting back at Piranha and. Uh, we see Piranha, I think, pretty much the first time without the sidecar. Right. And he's got a few little guns like, you know, the the toy had, which I thought was cool that they showed that. But he's shooting back at Piranha. He's kind of skidding out of control. He shoots a jackhammer and daggers, like, cowering like a little girl. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh, he's shooting lasers at me again, <laughs> you know. But uh, Matt was ticked. I mean, he was letting yeah. letting them have it. Well, he he, he got it. Yeah, I mean, that's he right. Got it. Pretty much everything they had on that dock. Right. And then uh, Bruce, he says, "Now to bring those pedicabs back to home sweet home." Lift up. And he uses uh, lifter from inside Rhino to lift to lift these uh, all these cabs pedicabs off the ship. And save them from, you know, being shipped away somewhere. Right. And Miles is, uh, he just kind of almost gives up. It's like, oh, there's a month of work down the drain. And then here's where we get Rax thinking he's making a little joke, a pun. <laughs> down the drain. You dare laugh? Sorry, thought you were making a joke. Let's get out of here. So they run off with Bruce saying they are getting away, but Matt says they really need to focus on getting that gold back. Later we find them back in the temple. Uh, Bruce admires the statue with the government rep saying they were able to use the original molds to remake it. And Matt is also impressed. 
then Scott then like eagerly enters and waits to see the statue and actually so is T-Bob. Come on! I've been waiting to see this! Me too! Huh? Yo! T-Bob panics, leaving the temple, ends up tripping on a pop can, and falling right back into another trash can. And, of course, <laughs> everybody gets their laugh. And that leads us into our public service announcement. Right, and our public service announcement this week is Scott and T-Bob, they are exiting the mansion, and Scott's wearing his uh, Sony Walkman. <laughs> He's got his earphones on. And Matt warns him. Hold it, Scott. What, Dad? Why are you wearing those earphones? These earphones have wild sound. What I'm worried about is the sound will be so wild you won't hear a siren or a car approaching. When you're riding a scooter, a bike, or anything, you gotta hear what's happening around you. To which Scott says, I hear you loud and clear. And then they all have a chuckle and, you know, we fade to the credits. Which brings us to our ratings. How did you rate this episode? Well, I was a little kinder <laughs> than the last episode. Um, and this episode benefited from my rounding up. I was uh, in the three and a half range, but I rounded up to a four. Um, I thought there was some pretty good stuff in this one. Uh, like I said before, the break from Matt being on vacation as the setup of the cartoon episode uh, having his business with the government and I like that they added the PNA into uh, kind of assist Matt instead of totally relying on you know like you talked about before the Boulder Hill computer right um, that's that was really good I like you know Vanessa's use in this we didn't see her you know too much but I like the disguise and how that set up to the plot in the episode. I really didn't mind Scott and T-Bob in this episode. I mean, I thought this was an episode where they were used really well. Yeah, I agree. And where, not necessarily stone away, but Scott wanting to help gets involved. And, you know, they were due for some meddling and some danger and rescue. Oh, yeah. After uh, the last, you know, maybe four, five, six episodes, they really haven't. It's been more just stay in the hotel, you know, and, and this time... The danger kind of comes to them, in other words. Right. But I like I like Scott's fearless attitude in this to help going after Dagger. Um, I like how they used Thunderhawk. It was damaged from the elephant, showing it as more of a realistic vehicle. Um, and this one, Venom outnumbered Mask. I think this was the first time. We had uh, four agents for Venom, only three for Mask, and three vehicles versus two. Yeah. So I thought that was... Uh, Nice that they kind of switched that up finally and, and gave Venom kind of the upper hand, as, seemingly at least. And then, of course, I like that uh, Matt referred to Thunderhawk as T-Hawk. I like the little nickname there. Yeah. The bad things, you know, it was kind of confusing what exactly Matt's business was, like I said before, with the government. Um, they thank him for help preserving their treasures, but Matt acts like he doesn't know about these previous statues being stolen. The changing clothes, we talked about that. That was kind of find a phone booth nearby and <laughs> change back <laughs> into a suit. Um, that was really the only kind of bad. There's some 
ticks, I would call them more, where, you know, Miles is coughing from inside the switchblade, Bruce using lifter inside Rhino instead of stepping out to do it, and, you know, there was no Boulder Hill or Mask Room, but the Rhino parachuting in from the transport plane, I think, totally made up for it. Yeah. So, well, how about your rating? I was kinder than you. I gave it a five. I was really impressed with the animation. You see a close-up view of T-Bob transforming when Matt, you know, disappoints yes. Scott. Uh, I did notice that. And I really liked that transformation. I liked the uh, transformation and then the faulty transformation of Thunderhawk, you know, as, as it was trying to get in and out of jet mode. Um, then when he finally takes off the first time, you see a good transformation and uh, blue flames, you know, spewing out. I like that. I loved that there was a lot of drama and they were like full of emotion. I've never, I don't think in any of these episodes have the voice actors conveyed this much emotion, anger, you know, uh, uh, fear from Scott and even T-Bob. Uh, it was just really, really amplified. It's probably the best word, amplified and real, like a, a truly, like the voice actors actually felt this episode, unlike any other episode they've ever done. So I was just astounded with this. I didn't think too much about Matt and Bruce changing back into civvies. I, I, I actually just thought it was them trying to keep their identities secret. So I just didn't read into it that much. The yeah. ticks that you said, you know, like the smoke screen. Um, I would have liked to have seen a bomb or a missile or something that exploded in front of Switchblade. That would have been good. Yeah. But I didn't think anything of it. Mask is already high tech anyway. I didn't read into it too much, uh, but the the awesome drama, the the you know we see Thunderhawk being rescued out of the last minute. Overall, just a great episode. I'd almost put it equally with the Rotex episode, where we thought that was one of the best episodes, or at least I did. Did you capture any similarities to this episode? Just the fact that um, I didn't really find anything too specific, but. It seems like these episodes are either tied around Venom coming up with a way to steal some stuff to kind of fund their organization. And we kind of use that more or less as a secondary plot in our script where they're having to get some cash or <laughs> get some funding to kind of start Venom, in other words. But it's not really their their primary motivation in the script. It's more, really more revenge towards Matt, mainly. Right. But that's really all I took out of this one. What about you? Um, another loose one is, you know, where Rax is joking or kind of ticking off Miles. We modeled Rax, uh, Rax's character as he's just a very sarcastic individual. He's always joking. He's always ridiculing Miles throughout the entire movie. So that's really all I got from it. And again, that's a real loose connection yeah. to it. It wasn't really, it wasn't really anything, you know, I guess what we both saw that was specific. Right. But, um, we're going to go into our comments. We didn't get a chance to have any, uh, comments this week, mainly because we're working on a short week. We were a little late releasing mass cast 20 
That was just on Monday, and here we are. It's Wednesday night when we're recording this, when we had two days. But we have had four votes in the poll, one for a five, one for a three, and two for a four. Which one of those was mine? I'm assuming you were the five. So it's a good assumption. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we didn't get a didn't get a chance to get too much interaction this week. So we'll uh, we'll still if you want to post comments, we'll comment back and uh, appreciate everybody kind of interacting and, and supporting the, the show and showing their opinion online. And we'll just go right back into a preview of the next episode which we will review which is episode 17 the mystery of the rings and in this episode venom goes to sunhenge with three mystical rings that will point the way to a wealth of ancient treasure Mm. so we're getting back into the after we've been in the kind of more of the real world it seems lately um we're getting back into the mystical mask world, I guess you would say. Well, sounds exciting, and I look forward to being a part of that episode as well as Jason. Once again, we had a great time reviewing episode 16 of Mask, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Mask Cast.